0: Hi, I'm Jay. On- I'm sorry. Hi, I'm Dan O'Toole, and you're listening to Tobin tonight. Definitely a real show.
1: First off, I want to welcome you to the podcast, uh, Dan O'Toole, uh, and I, I guess the first question I'm going to ask you is. Uh, Can I give you a headlock?
0: Well, if you can do it through the phone, then um, you would be richer than uh, Jeff Bezos.
1: See, I'm not really familiar with the whole context. I I guess I've seen it. I guess it would be a few nights ago that you had a Terry in the background that kind of said he had tickets to the show and he got great seats. And then he asked, can he put you in a headlock? Where is that all coming from?
0: That came from, uh, so Stu Grimson, former NHL enforcer, was on our show about two weeks ago. And we have a wheel. It's called the Wheel of Destiny. <laughs> okay. So our guests spin it, and whatever it ends on, they have to do. So the choices, there's probably like 20 choices. It's like show us uh, what's in your pockets. Um, let us send a tweet from your account. All these other things. And one of them is put Dan in a headlock for 10 seconds. <laughs> so... The, the wheel was spun and it landed on, put Dan in a headlock for 10 seconds by a former NHL enforcer, mm. Stu Grimson. So that happened. It worked out fine because he went gentle. He's like <laughs> a big teddy bear now. He's a, yeah. he's an attorney. So he did a fake headlock. It was all fun. Life went on. One week later, Timu Solani was on our show, the Finnish Flash, and the wheel landed on host's choice. So we got to pick what square. And I said, okay, Jay, you can. And he picked, he put Dan in a headlock for 10 seconds. So two guests in a row, I get put in a headlock. But Timu did not play around. He did a real, like, <laughs> WWE-style headlock in which I saw stars.
1: Oh, crap.
0: So two headlocks happened, and then now people seem to want to put me in a headlock when they see me.
1: So. Well, at least it didn't go as bad as when Hogan did it, I think, in the 80s, when he was doing the headlock with, uh, I, I can't remember the show, the the a host's name and the host just fell flat and then just had the, the nerve to get back up and then say, We're gonna go to commercial break and we'll be back but he didn't know he even said that. Uh, Tell me how you got your interest in, I guess, broadcasting or or sports broadcasting. Like where did the interest start?
0: Um, I don't know. Wherever you went to high school, did they have a co op program? So when you're in like grade twelve? So co op program was you go out into the workforce, you, you pick a profession that you want to pursue and then you spend a couple of months as essentially an intern uh but we call them a co-op student at that uh, profession. So I tried that. My first uh choice was a teacher. I'm like, yeah, uh maybe I'll be an elementary school teacher. After one week of that, I'm like, I can't do this. This I w- I will murder a child. They'll just annoy me so much. So so I didn't want to go to prison for murdering Someone for annoying me, so I said I, I better choose a different <laughs> profession. So the next semester, I said, why I've always like broadcasting. Um, I always used to do fake play-by-play. Uh, getting back to wrestling, you mentioned Hulk Hogan. I do fake ring announcing of my WWF wrestlers at the time.
1: Oh, awesome! Um, I do the same,
0: and I do fake interviews, and I do I put the TV on mute, and I do play-by-play of the Montreal Canadiens hockey games." So I'm like, well, I always like doing that. So maybe I should try broadcasting. So I got a co-op position at the university radio station in my hometown of Peterborough, Ontario. Went to work there after one shift. I'm like, this is amazing. Uh, This doesn't feel like work. And if you get a job at this, they pay you to do this. So uh, from there, I uh, pursued that. Applied for uh, college, got into Algonquin College in Ottawa on the radio broadcasting program there. That was probably at 96, so 12, 13 years or 23 years later, here we are.
1: Yeah, I I was just going to say that's going to be the soundbite for this clip is I didn't want to murder a child. It's like Dan O'Toole talks (laughs) about it. No, I think that's really interesting. Actually, that's what we have in common is I actually went to Algonquin College myself and did radio broadcast. Now, I bring this up because one of your, the teacher that I had, uh, actually, I believe he was either in your year or the year prior, Dan Mellon.
0: Yes, he was in my year. Okay. I think he was. Well, maybe we, we, I don't know. All the classes blended now that I think back. I can't really remember who was in mine and who wasn't because, yeah, the classes... We did a lot of things together, but uh, Dan and he now runs that program. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's still. I, th- I believe he's still kicking around there. Yeah. Small world. S- yeah, exactly. I, I I just know when he mentioned it to us when I was a first year and he was teaching us performance, and he mentioned about oh yeah, Dan O'Toole was like. I, I can't remember if he said it was in your group or a year older or younger, but I just thought like, oh, that's really cool. But another side of me was like, okay, so why is he off doing this and you're here? But you don't say that to his face because, you know, you don't want to. Dan
0: had a big booming
1: yeah. voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With your start at Algonquin College, I know you just mentioned that you got your internships with Peterborough where you're from, but now you covered the 67s during your time at Algonquin. Is that correct?
0: That's right. The 67s weren't very popular in Ottawa when I was there in the mid 90s. And we had the broadcast rights for the '67s on our college radio station, wow. and we only did home games. So near the end of that first year, I, I went to our our uh, instructors and I said, "Why don't we do all the games like on the road, travel with the team?" They took that into consideration and they said, "Okay, let's do it." So we started doing home and away games uh, for the '67s and. Great learning experience. Traveling on a bus with uh, legendary coach Brian Kilroy.
1: There you go.
0: It uh, was an experience. Uh, lots of stories there. Um, 98% of them can't be told on <laughs> uh, on this podcast. But, uh, yeah, it was great. That was my first taste of uh, doing play-by-play and just loved it. And it was actually so successful that the 67s actually became popular. Not that they became popular because... People heard them on our radio, but the 67s did start to to get a better following, and then they went to a bigger radio station that had a bit more bandwidth. Yeah. <laughs> our station had to be parked next to the, the college to... To listen to the game essentially
1: yeah absolutely and and believe it or not it's probably still somewhat the same today with the, with the dial yeah
0: that's <laughs> the, that's the joy of college radio though.
1: It, exactly it's like you know I'm, I'm from Newfoundland originally so if I'm telling my parents like oh you can listen to it on the internet or if I have a friend that uh could be three maybe a block away from campus and like I can't even hear you i'm like great this is great so
0: i did hear an accent so are you named after brian tobin
1: oh great where's i i see i need i need a bubble or i need something that goes off every time someone mentions that uh i am not related to brian tobin which can be good and bad i guess Uh, i'll I'll take it as a good for now Uh,
0: i do know half of newfoundland having lived in fort mcmurray alberta for three years
1: there you go actually we were going to get into that but now after covering the 67s you went to all the way out in Vancouver in 1997 to be a, I believe it's a traffic reporter.
0: That's right. Um, while I was in college, my, my second year of the two-year program, a few months in, there was a message on the job board because this is pre-internet. We had just <laughs> started sending emails and you had to line up at the, uh, the college computer to send an email. And these mm-hmm. are the days where when you sent an email, it was like four paragraphs. Oh, okay. Now, if, if you got a four-paragraph email now, you're like, this person's crazy. Uh, so but we had to get it all in at once uh, because you don't know when you can get on the email machine again um anyway so there was a uh the job posted said uh there's a traffic reporter position available in vancouver you had to go to toronto to do an in-person interview i went there i don't know if no one else showed up or not but uh, i got the job they offered me very little money and then they said oh yeah So our pilot has to fly the plane out. You've got to drive his car out. I had to drive a, whenever the Toyota Tercel started, this was, I think, the first year model. Because this thing was on its last legs. (laughs) I had to drive out middle of the winter in a 1980 oddish Toyota Tercel with no working radio, no working speedometer, and no working heater.
1: Oh, crap.
0: So when I got pulled over in the States, in one state, it was uh, I think it was like Devil's Lake, North Dakota, the state trooper pulls me over, comes up, he says, sir, do you know how fast you're going? And I looked at him, I said, sir, I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I did not tell him that my speedometer wasn't working, but I gave him an honest, honest answer.
1: Yeah. And he, he just kind of was like, oh, okay, like, uh, I guess I'll let this- I never
0: paid that ticket, and I believe that if I got pulled over in North Dakota right now, I'd like be put in jail until I paid the fine or something.
1: Oh, wow. See, times have changed, Dan. So, uh, okay, so you went from Vancouver to do traffic reporting, so I mean... Oh, uh- yeah,
0: never too, yeah. So I got there, and then my eventual job was I did airborne traffic reporting. So that plane that the uh, pilot flew out there was a little Cessna 172, I'd go up with him in the morning drive and the afternoon drive, fly around Vancouver. I didn't even know the road names. <laughs> like, there's the low heat Highway there. I said the Lougheed. Mm-hmm. I'm a kid from Ontario doing traffic reporting in Vancouver. Yeah, that was my first job in broadcasting. Did that for uh, a year and a half.
1: But see, that's the fun of it, I guess, in terms of being new and in a new environment. Like, I mean, this is pre-Twitter, so I, you didn't get the the heat, but I know... You know, from a kid from Newfoundland, when we were doing traffic reporting at Algonquin, I didn't call it the 401. I called it the 401. I didn't call it uh, <laughs> Colonel. I, di- I didn't call it Colonel by. I called it Colonial by. And people were like calling in and going, who is this guy? Like, he's from Ontario. I don't. And then I'd be like, no, I'm a Newfoundlander. Where's your accent? And I'd be like, oh, my God. Like, I finally get rid of the accent. Now I have to bring it back just to, you know, st- stop the wounds.
0: It's a slow go on the four hundred and one by
1: <laughs> Exactly, I, I I felt like doing that at certain times of just going like, listen, it's all a crowd on the four hundred one. Like, listen, if you're if you're going home to have your mother's meal, and and then they'd be like, who's your mother? What do what are you talking about? And I'd be like, oh, okay, slow <laughs> it down. And then some of them would just, be like, I can't, I can't. He's too fast. And so it's very interesting that you mentioned that. Now, are you afraid of heights? Because I know if they told me to go up in a helicopter, I I would be so nervous because I hate heights.
0: I am not. And I am soothed by the sound of an airplane engine so much so, like if I hop on a flight now, I'm asleep before takeoff. So in a little Cessna, it's that much louder. A lot of times, my pilot would have to wake me up in the (laughs) plane to do my traffic report. And a few times, I'd be leaning out, looking at traffic, and my door would open. But the wind is so powerful, like it just shuts again. But it never really scared me. It was an interesting job. On my last day, I totaled because... The pilot has a flight log, and he has to put the passenger in and every flight he takes. So I totaled all the flights that I was a part of. I did 501 flights in that Cessna.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and, and no, deaths.
0: <laughs> no deaths. No deaths, <laughs> no
1: um, okay, so after your traffic reporting, then you went to Fort Mac in 1998. Uh, I became the sports director, so a little bit more back into your extreme, into your alley. What made you transition? Well, I, I guess I know what made you transition to the Fort Mac role, but how was your time in Fort Mac? What did you enjoy? Becoming? It was amazing
0: and funny that we're recording this today because I received a text today from the former equipment manager for the Fort McMurray Oil Barons, who won the Royal Bank Cup in 2000. And he sent me a text today, so they're doing a 20-year anniversary of the Royal Bank Cup win, and uh, looking if I can come up for it in February. So and you said it, no. was, an, a tr- <laughs> it was a tremendous experience. Met lifelong friends, uh, friends that uh, I just uh, ran into again in Edmonton when we were out there for the the and Dan podcast tour. And it's an experience that if I hadn't gone to Fort McMurray, I don't think I'd be in the job I am now because I went up there doing radio. And I left for a TV job because, um, went to the co- the, the, the local cable, uh, Shaw cable radio or TV station said, Hey, I want to do TV to the guy that ran the place, CJ Phillips. And he said, if you do a show, I'll put it on TV. Oh, wow. Ended up doing three. I did a show with our MLA there. I did a show on the oil barons and did a golf show. He helped me edit them and everything. And, um, so that turned into a demo tape that uh, I sent to Vancouver. They saw the tape. They said, "Get one year's experience, and we'll hire you." Worked my tail off for a year. The gentleman George Frolik in Vancouver called me a year to the day. Said, "Did you get that experience?" I said, "Yep." He says, "Okay, you're hired."
1: Oh wow, that's really the uh,
0: man of his word.
1: That's very interesting. It's very it's very cool that like you know he he gave you straight up come come back with a year's experience and like to the day. That's pretty cool.
0: Yep, yeah, and it's and a lot of it is right place, right time. I have a lot of young broadcasters send me messages say what should I do with this? I'm like, call that person you think is sent it to. Don't hesitate because I sent a tape to George in Vancouver. On the right day, it arrived on his desk at the right time. He was looking for someone for the station that was changing hands in one year. And it's, you can call it luck. Yeah, you can call it uh, whatever you want. But uh, everyone gets some of that along their way in this business, I find. So if you're ever thinking, if you're a young broadcaster, think, oh, should I call this guy? Yeah, call him.
1: Now, in 2003 to 2013, which is what I know you most for, because, um, you know, growing up in Newfoundland and watching TSN in the morning, you co-hosted, well, Sports Center. It was like on a 1 a.m. apparently. Now in Newfoundland, that's 2.30 a.m. So i probably see you more times. Actually,
0: time. our first shows, when I first got there in 2002, we were on a 2 a.m.
1: Okay, so if that's 2 Eastern, that's 3.30 my time. So I I guess I kind of got into you a little bit later. Let's put it that way.
0: Well, you would have seen seen that on the morning loop then (laughs) when we looped the show.
1: Yeah. Uh, So just explain that to me, because who gave you that call? Were you excited to go to TSN? And I mean, from what I heard from Jay in his episode is he was very excited he said that you two got like instantly got along well and it's good that you get chemistry with someone right off the hop
0: well when jay and i were paired together uh, about a year after i got there by my initial call i was still in vancouver got a a message one day at work and it was uh from my old boss that uh just left the company and he said uh dan this is mark from tsn if this is on speakerphone please take it off (laughs) i wanted to chat with you but some uh a job opportunity here and I look around I'm like okay who's playing the joke on me here I hadn't even I'd only been there like 9-10 months yeah. on the on TV in Vancouver so I called them back and then they offered me a job sight unseen and I turned them down because at that point I was dating Miss Molson Indy in Vancouver I was done work at 7 every night I was going out with my friends I was like living the life I'm like life can't get any better than this right now <laughs> So I turned them down, and then they said, well, think about it, and called back the next day, and I turned them down. I turned them down three times. Mm. Finally, they got James Duffy to call me, who had made the move from Vancouver to Toronto, and he said, hey, I know it sucks leaving Vancouver, but great place to work, and uh, they'll make it worth your while. So he talked me into it. And my workplace, uh, now TSN, they thought I was a brilliant negotiator. They thought it was like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. I wasn't. <laughs> I was
1: just like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I just think that's funny because it's like you know, if you tried that today, if I was in your shoes today and tried that, they just look and be like, "Okay, next person." Unless you really had the talent, and they really knew that, okay, this guy can take us to the next level, or we see oh, something. Oh yeah, in thinking you.
0: back now, I was just a fearless young punk, I guess. Yeah,
1: you were. It, it, you know what? I'll I'll say it. You were a
0: little shit. No, no, yes, yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. So I, uh, in hindsight, would never have done that again.
1: But it all worked out i mean it, it worked out for the better because listen and, and i'll say this because i know i just called you a little shit but i was joking but in hindsight oh, yeah. if it was not for just say you and you and jay i mean i like sports center you're you're actually one of the 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 first ones that i've actually seen do sports center and like i like the fact that when i was watching it as someone who's a newfoundlander has that co- comedy background a little bit i like that you know, okay, they're giving me sports highlights, but they're having fun with it along the way, like, Brobsky, and just poking fun at each other, and I was like, are they allowed? Can they do this? This is a sports show.
0: Oh, at but- first, our bosses did not want <laughs> to allow us. Yeah, they were like, dial, we'd always get a call once a month, dial it back, 20%. <laughs> so, yeah, because they thought we were having too much fun, eventually they just stopped, and they're like, okay, so people like this, they want an alternative to this. Like, we have people that despise our show, but then we say, well, then don't watch. Yeah. You, you don't, if you want, I just want my sports. These clowns. Okay, guess what? Don't watch. There are a ton of shows on TV that I don't like. Do you think I would ever sit mm-hmm. and watch the show and then message someone who's on the show to tell them I don't like it? No, that's a crazy person. A crazy person does that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, I agree. It's just I, I always thought that was funny that like you know you 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 up the ante a bit and you kind of made it exciting and I think now I could be wrong and again I I haven't talked to these people about it but you, you when know, I'm looking at the next wave of Sports Center when you got Lindsay and Kara like you you see that little bit of a personality come from and I know that that's probably on their own but I like to kind of think that you kind of paved the way. To have a little bit of a personality for sports sportscasters, uh, well,
0: I think no, it's always been around. Like uh, you're too young, and I don't think you would have even got this show out where uh, where you were in Newfoundland. But uh, Sportsline with Mark Hebshire and Jim Taddy—that was my appointment viewing, and those guys—they laughed and they uh, they yucked it up. So there was definitely there's always been guys that uh, that show their personality. It would just uh, it kind of disappeared there for a while, but now our bosses know that. There's a lot of places to get your highlights. So why not have different options? You can have your regular sports center. You can, you can have a sports center with these guys. Like give viewers options. And since we have five channels, yes, throw us on a couple Ab- of those channels and people can, can pick what they want to watch.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, you've done that from, I guess, 2003 to 2013. So that's a good 10 years there. And then from 2013 to 2017. So four years. You went down to um, the States to do it for Fox. Now, I, I will say this at the time, I thought that was kind of a risky move because, of course, you know, in Canada, we get it. We get the comedy aspect, but in the States, it can kind of be hit and miss. But apparently, you guys left because you saw this as, like, a, a brand-new opportunity to revive the sports landscape there. Is, is that correct?
0: Oh, they paid us a shitload of money. <laughs> that's, that, that's 99% of the reason why. <laughs> Like, our bosses, people don't know this, but our contracts were up at TSN. Our bosses, we told them these ones, they're like, we can't match that. We can't even come close. So, yeah, do it. It was not, We didn't reject TSN. If I had stayed, I had no contract. So, I took the contract that was in front of me. But no one knows that. Everyone's like, you guys. And I wanted to tweet out so bad because people were calling us sellouts. And I wanted to say, if you were working at, like, a construction job making – twenty thousand dollars a year and the boss came to you okay you can do the same job but move to la for three hundred thousand dollars do you think anyone would call that person a sellout for making that move
1: no absolutely not from twenty twenty
0: thousand dollars to three hundred thousand
1: no no one <laughs> on earth it's funny that you mentioned that because I never actually like you know what I've never dolged into it as thinking you guys were sellouts I just looked at it and said you know they've done their time at TSN like they just want a and, new and experience the, well the
0: comparison I always make too is like say Michael Bublé or any big Canadian artist in the states the weekender but let's stick with Michael Bublé yeah so are people mad that he released his songs in the states or should he have only released them in Canada like that's that's a comparison like what a sellout <laughs> Playing his songs in the States, doing concerts in the States. What a sellout. It just bothers me to this day. I'm like, if only I could sit down with these people, explain it to them, and say, first off, I took the contract that was in front of me, the only contract. Uh, secondly, here's why I took that contract. Well, it's like maybe, I, maybe in my memoirs, I'll explain it all.
1: Yeah, because, like, I mean, the way I look at it from a standpoint, and maybe it's just people that aren't in the media, but, like, I'm doing this podcast... Just say free, doing it on my own in, in Ottawa here. But if someone said to me tomorrow, Brian, we really like your stuff. I heart, not I heart Canada. It could be I heart in the States. We want to give you your own platform and we're paying you this much. Like, but you're exclusive to you to the U S. Would people look at people would be like, Oh, I, but I'm the asshole, but I'm looking to be like, dude, you know, I worked my way. I have to pay yeah. some way. So, you know, give it a, give it a rest. I mean, I'll, I'll make it. I'll, I'll find a way that you can listen to it. Just ease yeah. up. The other thing that I kind of like too that I want to get into it about here is when you did come back to TSN to do of course sports center with Jay and Dan, I, I read this online. Now, again, you can't trust everything you read online, but it says it's Super Bowl tw- or 50. You had some harsh comments for colleagues at Fox. Like, is there any truth to that, or is that just being blown out of proportion?
0: No, no, I had no harsh words. I got into Twitter exchange with people. Cause everyone on our show had just got laid off, like 50 people. And these people were like, oh, what an experience of the Super Bowl. I'm like, guys, everyone just got laid off in here tweeting out or I was just angry at the time and, um, it all settled down. But no, I, had no harsh words. I, every person I work with at Fox, I'm still friends with. There's not a single person that I'm not friends with at Fox.
1: Yeah, no, no, again, that's why I said, uh, that's why I didn't go oh, right, yeah. in, right into it and say, well, you definitely said that. Because, again, sometimes things get blown up on the internet. And, like, oh, you know, course, yeah. watching you guys on TV and even, like, you know, you do have a sense of a personality. And then you, you'd you like to believe that, okay, if he's like that on air, hopefully he's that way behind the scenes. And even when you guys post stuff that doesn't make it to air. Like, I think there was one time that I watched and Lindsay Hamilton stepped in for GA. Because I think GA was having his child And you had an off-scene thing on, I think it was on Instagram, where it was like their first time meeting each other. And I was like, geez, he seems very nice, seems very down-to-earth. Like, I don't believe anything of this. It's just people spewing nonsense. The other thing I want to mention, too, because we are talking about podcasting as well, you guys actually do your own podcasting. And when I talked to James Duffy, he kind of gave you and Jake credit for kind of paving the way for podcasting because he said at the time people were like, What's podcasting? What's that? And then when you guys kind of started the the trend there, now it's like everyone at TSN has a podcast.
0: Yeah, we started it uh, 10 years ago. That's why we're doing our live tour across Canada this year. We realized, yeah, 10 years ago we started, went to our bosses, said we want to do a podcast, and our bosses, uh, hmm. one of them is still there. He's like, okay, record me a uh, demo. We uh, recorded it uh, an hour length. That's usually how long our podcasts are he's like, nope, people won't uh, stick around for that. Five minutes. You need a five minute podcast. Oh, that's and we're bull. like, we're like, you aren't even out of the driveway in five minutes. <laughs> we eventually told him, no, that's not how it's not going to, it's not going to work that way. <laughs> and, um, yeah, uh, the rest is history. We've been doing it, uh, once a week, every week. Uh, for the last ten years, so that's a that's a lot of
1: podcasts. I mean, I just I just love the the like the sticking to the character of you know when they call you for TSN and you say no, I'm I'm fine in Vancouver, and your boss is like, yeah, no, five minute podcast. I want it straight, I want it done, and that's it. Okay, see, and then you're just like, that's not how we're gonna do it. See, <laughs> and it's like it's exactly. like, geez, how did this guy even get into the door? But no, I, I I mean, it's really interesting that you brought that up because podcasting is a really big thing, and you know when you look at the Rubber Boots podcast, your podcast, and. I mean, I got to tell you, as much as I found it annoying at first, the music that you guys play, I like that you did kind of implement that. It does sound like the Spangler Cup music. Yes. Yeah. At first, I was like, that sounds so familiar. I'm like, where does it? And then...
0: I think it is the old Spangler Cup music. It is
1: it. Yeah. And I was just like, why does it sound familiar? Then when I think one of you guys just announced it, oh, yeah, it's like the old... And I was like, okay, they're, they're chummy. They're getting along. This is... This is great. Like they got a sense of humor, and then it kind of brought me into okay. Let me tune into their podcast, and I like that you can show a little bit more of your personality in a podcast too.
0: Exactly. That's why we do it, and that's why we kept it going in the states it was because it kept people in the know of what we were getting up to down there, and it kept our connection with our uh, our very loyal podcast uh, listeners. And yeah, they they seem to like to just sit in and on J and I's conversations and. Ninety-eight percent of the time, it's not even about sports, but uh, I don't think people care. And we have found out that people just like laughing and not talking politics and not uh, talking anything serious and just having a break uh, for an hour once a week.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I I agree. Like, if podcasting is supposed to be fun, it's just so funny to see that so many people have podcasts and like you know some of them. It's almost like and they're all about murder. Yeah. Well, see, C- CBC has that, has that genre pretty much covered, but I'm looking at like, you know, I watch, I watched Conan growing up and I've watched some comedians, but like, it's not surprising if you see a comedian or a sports anchor have their own podcast now. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like at first I thought like these are platforms for young grads that are supposed to try to help find jobs and you're killing us. But at the same point, it's like, just be creative and you'll find a way to, to get there, I guess. Yep. Not really related to sports, but just more or less related to Dan O'Toole, the man, the person. What what, what other hobbies do you like to do outside of sports besides, you know, getting in headlocks? Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, I spend all the time away from work uh, with my kids and just playing outside and stuff and going on adventures. We just love that. Playing golf when I'm not with my kids, going on trips, I love to travel, I go to like Off the beaten path places like uh, my new favorite spot to go to on a weekend is Detroit. Um, Detroit has rebounded and it's really cool. Uh, I've been there twice in the past calendar year and other places like Pittsburgh, just places you would never go. I I don't need a beach to go on vacation or get a weekend away. I just like exploring. Those are things that I spend 99% of my time doing. The other time I'm trying to get sleep considering we still have zombies hours where you don't get home till two in the morning and you got to be up with the kids to go to school at 7 a.m. and so it's always just trying to find sleep uh, with uh, this job and my cousins always cousins relatives uh, family members they're always saying well, what are you going to get a, like a good uh, shift mm-hmm. like during the day and then that's when you point out when do sports happen and they're like night uh, at night I'm like Exactly. Yeah. So I am uh, for the rest of my life. I'll be working at night.
1: <laughs> the the thing that I I like that you kind of walked into my trap there a little bit when you mentioned that you like going to Detroit. I remember when we were texting back and forth about this interview. I was actually watching it, and it could have been live that you said. I think it was the Detroit game uh, against it was either Florida or it could have been another team, and you were just like, "Yeah, Detroit is shit this year. Or, Detroit is garbage or trash." Was against, yeah, it was
0: against yeah. Detroit Kansas and, City and, and I was, two and, worst
1: teams and, in baseball. And I was just uh, like. Uh, no it was the red wings game and it was it was like the i've last... never
0: been to a red wings game. oh oh so last
1: and i was, was, so and nice. I was watching it i was like you're like yeah detroit is trash. And i was like that's it this interview is over it from a detroit fan i, I don't like that but then i was like okay he's right detroit is trash but
0: yeah you have to admit <laughs> when your team is bad yeah you they're, can't, they're, you can't be brutal. like donald trump and pretend bad things are not happening
1: listen it's all fake news and I'm going to say what yeah. I want, I'm going to say what I like to do, and no matter what I say, it's correct. So Detroit is great. No, I mean, I agree. Detroit is trash, but it doesn't stop me from being a fan, but I'm a realistic fan, let's put it that way. Right, good. The, the last thing I want to ask, you know, for young grads or young students or anyone that's just trying to get themselves in the media, what's some of your best advice? I know that you said, you know, keep knocking on the door, but listen, Kara Waglins has said it. James Duffy has said it. Come on, be creative, Dan.
0: Oh, I'd take a job in a place that uh, you don't know anyone, in a small town. I took that job in Fort McMurray, Alberta. Again, this was pre-internet. Um, I didn't have internet, so I had to buy a map, a road map, to find out where Fort McMurray was. I then opened the map. This is after I'd already accepted the job. Fort McMurray was literally not on the map. It had an arrow. It said, to Fort McMurray. So I accepted a job in a place that was not on the map and that's what led me to where i am today uh, in my job at tsn because uh, i thought outside the box and i took massive gambles and said okay i'm gonna go to a place where i don't know anyone i could fall flat on my face but
1: uh, i went and did it and uh, it worked i still find that just so funny and i don't mean that in a mean way it's just so funny for them to call and you'd be like no i'm, I'm good i'm good and then they are just like you know what Get James Duffy on the phone. James Duffy is the godfather. He will convince you to do anything.
0: (laughs) That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Dan O'Toole for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, thanks for listening, and good night.